And I mean, life would be really pretty boring if we didn't actually have stress. And we need stress to thrust us towards our goal. So when we regulate your nervous system or know how to regulate, then you can harness the power of stress to help accelerate you. Welcome to Amplify. We are here to help you own your truth, use your voice, and stand out as the most unapologetically aligned, abundant, and authentic version of you so that you can make a big impact in the world doing what sets your soul on fire. Because you and I, we are meant to stand the F out. I'm your host, Lauren Salon, and I'm a public relations and marketing expert, entrepreneur, speaker, former on-air entertainment host, and past professional fitness competitor and health coach. And several times per week, I'll be bringing you epic guest conversations and solo episodes along with the tools, tricks and tips that you need in order to step into your power, own your purpose and stand out in the world as the most vibrant version of you. Because I believe that the more you you are in the world, the more successful and fulfilled you will be. So what do you say? Are you ready? Let's get amplified because blending in is bullshit. Welcome back to another episode of Amplify. Today, I chat with my friend, Corrine Phelps, who is a native Washingtonian who left a successful career in luxury real estate for entrepreneurship, investing, and personal development. She became obsessed with combining the power of peak performance, intuition, and purpose to harness untapped potential. The last 10 years have been a journey into spirituality, business, wealth creation, and doing what it takes to create extraordinary impact. Her mission as a hypno-breathwork therapist is to help others tap into the power of a regulated nervous system and the subconscious to unlock new levels of wealth, success, and freedom. All right. What's up, everybody? Here with my friend, Corey Phelps. Corey, thank you so much for joining on Amplify today. I'm really excited because for all y'all listening in, Corey and I met in a mastermind in 2020 right? Yeah. yeah. And haven't really connected in the last couple of years. So I'm excited for this to be selfishly. Like I get to get caught up on your life and everything like that and dig into a lot of fun stuff. So thank you so much for being here on the show today. No, oh my goodness. Thank you. I'm so grateful to be here and so excited to catch up. I know it's just been way too long. It's weird how time passes. I know. Right. So we start off with some rapid fire. So we're just going to get right into it. First things first, what is something you're grateful for right now? Mm, I just recently got a puppy. And so I'm really, really grateful for my puppy, Willow. Oh, what kind of puppy? A golden doodle. <laughs> nice. What is a guilty pleasure of yours? Oh, a guilty pleasure. You know, I actually still, I feel like scrolling on Instagram is a guilty pleasure and I just allow I it. I agree. <laughs> I'm debating, which has kind of been a thought lately, like the last, like uh, maybe like two months or something of unfollowing everybody I follow on Instagram, just to have like social media detox cleanse, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. I do it, but yeah, yeah, yes, I agree. Scrolling such a guilty pleasure. <laughs> yes. What is a random fact that most people don't know about you? Okay. This one's weird. And someone asked me this in a call the other day, which is like the first thing that popped in my head. It's a random weird fact. I literally turned orange when I was a baby because I love carrots so much that I ate them so much. My mom kept giving them to me. 
And I, it's totally a weird random fact. <laughs> that is so random, but that's like actually scientifically what happens. Like if you have like carrot overload. Yeah. That's so there you go. Wild. Super weird. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like, do you have pictures of the orange face? I don't know. I'd have to ask my mom probably. <laughs> if you weren't doing what you do now, what kind of job or career would you have? Whether you're qualified for it or not, or something that's always sounded really interesting or like, oh, that could be cool. I could be good at that. Or that could be fun. Oh my gosh. I think I, well, one of two things. I would either be like a marine biologist, which lots of education that needs yeah. to go around that. Or maybe I'd be like a singer. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Very not qualified for either of them. <laughs> it's okay. This is like dreamland question. Yeah. Okay. What did you want to be when you were little? A vet. Hmm. Okay. So we've got the animal thread, right? Mm-hmm. Any weird talents or special skills? No, oh, I wish I had a weird talent or maybe I do. And I just don't think, I don't think it's weird. Right. You're like, Oh, not everyone can do that. <laughs> oh, here is my special skill. I always say oh. if I could find out if I could be paid for this, I have an uncanny talent for, you know, when you're taking the food from the pan and putting it into a container and it's really hard to judge which container you're supposed to put it in. I nail it every time. <laughs> Love that. You're like, my visual assessment of the amount of food and what exact container it should go in is so spot on. Yeah. There's gotta be, <laughs> I don't know if that specific skill is really that like sought after. <laughs> yes, I wish. <laughs> but I feel like that's part of something bigger. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't know what it is either, but I'm really good at it. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. When is the last time that you cried? Oh my gosh. Probably like this morning or maybe this afternoon, like 10 times a day. Right. Yeah. That's usually <laughs> the answer. <laughs> When's the last time you laughed so hard? You almost peed your pants or maybe actually peed your pants. I don't know. Oh, I could tell you a story actually about that, but Let's that was it. like, <laughs> it's actually horrifying. <laughs> when was the last time I laughed so hard that I almost peed my pants? I think actually, wait, no, that story, the story. Oh, okay. I will, I will tell you. I'm like, wait a second. Okay. Is this really my adult life? And not even that long ago, probably like a couple years ago was walking my dog Lila with my daughter and Jordan was using this like New York accent. And she kept talking about something about like my balls. I don't even know. And she kept saying it. I was like, you've got to stop. I have to pee so bad. And she kept saying it over and over and over until like, I literally lost it. Oh no. As an adult, I'm dead serious. Not like full on lost it, but like, but like out walking. Yeah. Yeah. We we're thank goodness. Yeah. We we're like maybe 15 houses away from Wait. home on the way back home. But like, yes, I like peed my pants a little for sure. And I can't I... even believe I just told you this story. No, but hold on. I peed my pants like three days ago. Not fully. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh gosh. We're only two minutes into the show. And now, Watch like, out. Okay. So my friend, Angie, Angie Lee, who you yeah. know, right. She was posting on her stories about accidentally. And what is it about ball stories that just gets you? But she was posting <laughs> on her Instagram stories about like accidentally, like some man's testicle or testicles fell out of his shorts and like accidentally she saw them. Right. And then so many people start 
texting in with their like replying to her stories being like oh my gosh this one time at like family dinner right like it's insane and I'm reading these and like crying and peed my pants a little bit and I actually have a story like that that I could have added to the mix but I was like I'll tell you later but like just something right anyway so yeah same it was like just a little bit (laughs) just a little bit same a little bit enough to notice personally (laughs) no one in the world would notice right but like oh man anyway ah, okay (laughs) redirecting this journey your favorite meal on that note let's talk about eating (laughs) oh yeah favorite meal I mean french fries are a meal right yeah oh yeah okay there you go french fries great (laughs) any specific condiments for this no, well, I mean, I like, of course, who doesn't like ketchup? But no, I actually am, I'm kind of a purist. I like a just naked French fry. Wow. That's interesting. Okay. With salt, of course. I mean, there yeah. has to be some salt on it. Yeah. Okay. French fries straight up. Where is the next place that you want to travel to? Maybe Amsterdam. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to get into the, all the, Juicy stuff. So one of the things, y'all, before I hit record, everyone listening, I was like, so now it's 2023, right? You will know her as Corrine, which is her full name. And so before we hit record, I'm like, hold on. I know you as Corey. Do you want me to call you Corey or Corrine, right? Yeah. Help, like, let me know. What would you prefer, right? So I would love for you to share a bit about that why yeah the the idea behind and why you went back to using your full name as your brand right because I'm sure the people like me and people who know me call you a variety of things right depending on the relationship but yeah what that like the mindset behind that and what that journey has been yeah okay so I'll start with my I've always been Corey and I hated my name the name Corrine so much So much so that my first grade teacher insisted on calling every single person in our classroom by their full name. And I guess I cried and cried and was so upset about it. My mom went in to have a conversation with the teacher and the teacher actually refused to call me by Corey. Refused. Yes. What a freaking psycho. Like, that's so weird. Absolutely refused. Her name was Miss Wolf. She's like seared in my brain. And she had this like shrill, mean, awful voice. So there's like this association to my name there. And it's not like the one like your mom calling you by your full name, but it was just like this teacher. And I really, when I even think about it, I even like, I still felt kind of like a little anger and hate towards her. Like what a power (laughs) trip. Yeah. What a control freak, right? Absolutely. And so prior to that, I don't know if part of my dislike for my name, one of it was because it was actually, it's kind of unique. It's not the most like, you might hear Corinne, but Corrine is not necessarily the most common name. Right. And so there was the fact that no one else had the name. Like, you know, people in your class, there was like Kelly, there was Michelle, there was, and you wanted to, I wanted to have a name that was like someone else's when I was younger. Yeah. And of course, as an adult, I fully appreciate the uniqueness of it. And my brothers used to run around the house trying to make me cry. And so they would sing my name in this sing-songy voice, which my full name is Corrine Angela Phelps. So you still go around the house, Corrine Angeline Phelps, and singing it. And I would cry because that's so awful, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're like, they're just saying your name. Relax. <laughs> yes. So knowing all of that, I, you know, I spent my entire life 
in multiple different careers. And I had definitely built a personal brand around the name Corey. And that was all associated to fitness. And like, you could Google Corey Phelps and there's like pages and pages of fitness articles and all the things. So as I was moving into what more, what I do now, which is I use breath work to help people transform their lives or businesses, all of the things I was actually in a breath work session very early on in my journey with breath work. And I was like, I have to change my name. I have to change, not change my name or like use my full name, like Mm. step into that like persona, owning this like feminine aspect of myself, because I'd always been somebody who's very much in that masculine energy. And so I was like, there's this whole piece of like, kind of my brothers and men kind of controlling certain decisions I made in my life. And so there was this act of like reclaiming my own feminine power. That was part of that. Also wanting to kind of shed that fitness persona and step into like my next level womanhood was all part Mm. of this. And also because Corey is a name that if you see it on paper, it's unisex, right? You're not necessarily going to know whether it's a girl or a boy or a woman or man. And especially because I spell it with a Y extra, right? So there had been a period of my life that I actually liked surprising people, like them thinking that I was a man, but then being a woman, Mm -hmm. but laced into this, like owning your femininity and womanhood. I was like, no, I like want them to see and like know it. And so that was the journey. So I went ahead and I changed it. I changed it everywhere. But it's really funny because it's been my name my entire life, obviously, but no one was calling me by it. And there's been this like real, like, I feel like I got some more work to do. I think I thought I was changing my name to owning my name. And there it is, boom, done. But I have, I think, a lot more work to do to claim this next level woman that I'm stepping into. Interesting. And uh, see, I've noticed like many people, many women do that who have like more... I don't know if like you really even call it a nickname because it's just a like shorter version of your name. So mm-hmm. I've seen that with many women who similarly, like actually who have been in the fitness space or more in that masculine energy space who be like, wait, no, let's like surrender more into the feminine and own the fullness and then go back to like their full names. So it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting. And I'm sure such an identity shift. So yeah. for you, the like, feeling like there's more work to do, like, how does that show up for you? Like what signifies that there's more work to do? It just not like feeling like there's separation. Yeah. There's like this kind of a wall. Like when someone says Corey, I automatically am like, Oh yeah, that's me. Right. But when somebody says Corrine, there's not this automatic connection association to feeling like myself. And so I think there's this exploration of like, what is that version of myself? feel like. And I, maybe I just don't know yet because I was so detached from that aspect of myself because of, you know, like moving into that feminine energy, really owning it and all of, all of the stuff that gets to come along with that. Yeah. How would you describe Corrine and who she is? That's a banger of a question. Did we just step into a coaching session? I don't know. (laughs) Wait, as the tear, you asked when, when's the last time I was crying? Right now, right now, I didn't know that I wasn't ready for this. How would I describe Corrine? That would be, I guess, this since I'm having fully stepped into it, it's like this perception that is like the my higher self, my future self, my full potential self. And it's, you know, showing up just 100% 
fully unapologetically, which is something I talk about a lot, but I always feel like there's more work to be done around that. Like I do that in so many parts of my life, but I don't know that I do that in every aspect of my life. And so that would be definitely a piece of that. And I think in part of that is really bringing that feminine essence forward And I think that's something that I'm learning now too, because I think that there had been this connection or idea around feminine energy of all being like, you know, all the pink, all the girly, frilly sort of things, which I, of course, love all of those things. But I also had a whole period of my entire life going by Corey where I had all of those things, but I actually had an ex-boyfriend who consistently like had these kind of like we'll call it verbal abuse kind of type of things that were coming through that were like you're so masculine because he didn't like the or he felt threatened I think by my own power and so he would tell me that I was like not feminine and so there is this like association to like but I liked all of those things and I wasn't being feminine then even though I know that that's not true but we make those associations so I feel like there's this part of like owning Corrine which is like owning all the things that I think connect me to my, like letting go of the rules of what someone tells me is my feminine energy and just owning all the things that make me feel feminine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's so cool. And really like, that's such an interesting season to be in of like, that's always been you, right. And your name, but to really like step in and to own that. Like, that's really cool, like exciting place to be in. And, you know, cause you do this kind of work and whether like with clients, obviously, but also for yourself of like self-awareness and all that, like, you yeah. know, when we're like in a journey like this and you're like, all right, there's more under the surface here. Like, yeah, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting to like, see it as kind of this separate thing. So. Yeah. I think I compartmentalized it for a good chunk of, well, my entire life. Right. (laughs) Until recently. Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. So one of the things that you said before we hit record was that you look at nervous system calibration, nervous system healing as like the strategy for fucking everything, which like, (laughs) I really agree. Like, can you speak into that a bit more? Yeah. So I think it's something that, I mean, I, preach it to my clients and teach it to my clients. But it was something that I think I didn't fully embody until probably I think like three years ago when I hit burnout and my understanding of, I think I was only at the surface level of it. And so I, why I think it to be true, or I believe it to be true is because learning how to respond to stress and manage your emotions, it's literally the thing that puts you in the place of absolute power and not like domination over someone Mm -hmm. else kind of power, but it's the power over how you react, you respond. It gives you that space and time to feel it, hear it, see it, and then respond. And when we respond versus react, I mean, that's when we get to make clear decisions. That's when we get to connect to our intuition. And essentially your nervous system really is the bridge between you and the outside world. It's your connection to spirituality. It's the thing that keeps you from actually 
well, it either thrusts you into disease or keeps you from being in disease because all health issues start from some semblance of a dysregulated nervous system. It's either a switch that pushed off something in your genetics because you were predisposed to it and it's because of stress, or it's something that started and stress accelerates the process of getting sick, whatever it happens to be. And so if you can learn how to respond to stress and not let stress be something that is bad, then that puts you in a complete position of power for your health. And something else that I fully believe is that the calmest person in the room is the person who has the most power. And so whether you're going in for a business negotiation or whether you're going on a date or whether you're walking into, I don't know, maybe you're getting ready to jump out of an airplane. (laughs) But if you can be calm, it means that you can be present for the experience. And if you can be present for the experience, that's when real magic gets to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love all of that and love what you, I mean, I very much agree, right? Like, and you know, from being an athlete and stuff like that, like there are very few things that like injuries, illnesses, that sort of thing that are caused by like an acute outside force, right? Like hit playing soccer, right? Like I've torn three ACLs, all of that get in a car accident, right? Like something like outside force, like happens, but like most of the time, yeah, it's those like an internal thing that set off some sort of chain reaction, chemical reaction, all of that, that like, there was likely like a little hint in some way that something was off. And with what you said, like stress, yeah, that's, not seeing it as negative, but seeing it as feedback, right? Like if we are a car or something and not, you know, I'm not saying humans are cars, but like if that, like it's a sensor going off saying like, Hey, we need more like wiper fluid. We need more of this. Like our brakes are a little tired, right? Like come tend to this sort of thing. Like that's what stress, right? Looking at, at it as that, as feedback, not some big problem. And then we can like intercept those things before they become huge deals. Absolutely. And I mean, life would be really pretty boring if we didn't actually have stress and we need stress to thrust us towards our goal. So when we regulate your nervous system or know how to regulate, then you can harness the power of stress to help accelerate you towards your goals. And I like that you use analogy of a car because really learning to regulate your nervous system is much like being a race car driver, being able to put your foot on the gas when it's time to put your foot on the gas and put your foot on the brake. But too often times we actually have our feet on both pedals at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's what causes all of the problems. Yes. So your burnout, you said about three years ago, like what did that look like for you? Oh my gosh. It was so awful. I mean, there was a lot of things were going on and I was just ignoring them. Like my hair was falling out, mm-hmm. <laughs> literally was falling out. I was in a state of consistently pretty much snapping at people mostly the people Mm. that were like closest to me in my environment, not like my clients or anything. Everything was irritating, triggering to me. I was definitely in a state of wanting to just like blame anybody and everything for all things that were going on in my life. And I knew that I was experiencing stress, but I was kind of like disassociated from it. And I almost had an addiction to experiencing it because I would feel like when I wasn't in a current state of chaos and stress, it would be like, oh my gosh, I need more of this to like make me show up. 
because I was so tired. I was so exhausted. And the tipping point was essentially walking into a hospital because I literally thought that I was having a heart attack, but it was basically a panic attack. And the doctor was like, you're having a panic attack. And I'm pretty sure your adrenals are completely just like, I mean, they're just like broken. (laughs) I hope we can fix them. They're a mess. You're, and so I, that was like my moment, right? I was in this moment of like, oh my God, I thought I was having a heart attack yet. I wasn't a heart attack. It's a panic attack. And this panic attack is coming because you've pushed yourself beyond your threshold and you're just completely burnt out. Well, and too, like with that, like hypertension stress is one of the like top causes of heart attacks, right? Like absolutely, y'all, this shit literally kills you not regulating your nervous system. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Cancer, like all this kind of stuff. Okay. So taking yourself to the hospital and literally being told like, yo, your stress major issue, like was that kind of rock bottom, not rock bottom, but like, you know, the big turning point for you to actually change things. Yeah, definitely was the beginning of it for sure. Cause, and this was mind you, this is the third time I hit burnout, but this time, yeah, each time I hit it progressively along the way, it was a little bit worse. Right. That's this was the two by four over the head, not against the back. This was, yeah. yeah. And that's why I asked because I'm like a lot of similarities, right. And that like athletic, like in the masculine, so hard, like I can endure so many things. I'm so tough. It's okay. I can handle a ton of stress that yeah. Often we need the like running a hundred miles an hour into a brick wall, sort of wake up call more than once, unfortunately high over here, but I'm like, I'm fun doing doing it that way. (laughs) So done doing it that way. I actually had a moment just recently where I was starting to dip back in there and it was like, okay, this is the, like, I get it. I hear you. Touche universe. I hear you. (laughs) Ooh. Do you mind sharing more about that and what patterns you saw yourself step into and then how you intercepted it or like what your intuition was saying to you in the moment Yeah, to course correct? Absolutely. So in the midst of doing a bunch of different things in business and I'm traveling back and forth between two cities, doing a lot of different things. And I have a puppy and I have a bunch of you know programs I'm running, clients that I'm servicing. And one of the things I was recently teaching on was basically mastering a four hour workday. And I had really embodied that like big time, especially back around December, because my dog was very sick, really, really got sick. And so it was put like I had to, and I, but I was like, yeah. Oh, this is like, maybe I can take this and teach. Right. Because she was so sick. I, all I could do was take care of her mm-hmm. and like to doctor's appointments. So during that time I was really maximizing and learning how to get everything I needed to get done in four hours, still be able to show up for my clients and all the things. And I was doing really well. And then somewhere along the line after losing my dog and getting a puppy and all the things, I just had like really regressed back into this like old person that I used to be pre like burnout. Like I was Mm -hmm. like in it, having a couple little interactions with my daughter that were kind of like triggering me. It activated I'm sure part of that and, you know, juggling all the stuff that was going on because puppies are like babies. And I totally forgot all, I mean, I literally forgot what this was like. And I was like, holy, did I make a mistake here? (laughs) Bless her heart. I adore her. So in the midst of all of this, I had also like not managing my schedule really well back into like not working my four hour work week, not doing self-care, not managing the things, let my breath work practice, my personal practice kind of slide and all of this because of puppy schedule. And 
having back-to-back meetings and I was at this and my moment of like, oh, this is it was I had her at the park recently and in whatever chaos, I get back in the car, come back home, I'm getting ready to teach a, a master class, And I really had everything I should have had prepared beforehand, wasn't done. And when we're like this, you know, you have got to get stuff done. You have a little amount of time and I've got to like, got to get the link ready. You got to get the, this out, got to get this. And I had was like, oh, I have an hour. I'll be able to get it done. But I left or lost my phone at the park. Yes. But I'm looking all over my house. Like, I don't know that I'm like, is it at my house? I didn't have the bandwidth or forethought to check the, is this like find my iPhone thing, which is like the logical thing to do. (laughs) And so I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, my phone, oh my God, oh my God, my whole life's been stripped from me, my phone. You know, this whole silliness, which we of course know that this is not the truth, but you're in it, right? And I'm hauling myself back up to the park to find the phone before the masterclass. I was like, maybe I like stuck it in the trash oh with the poop bag. And I'm like, like a mad woman driving back up there. And I was like, look at yourself. Like as I'm driving with like a maniac, like I used to do when in my twenties, like foot on the gas, oh like calling up through a residential to a park, give me my phone. And I'm like, <laughs> whoa, I had this like out of body experience. Like, look at yourself. First of all, you can replace the phone. Like, what is even the, like, what is the lesson here? You lost your phone and you lost your phone because you are just overextended. You're not paying attention. You're stressed. You're not organized in what's going on. And that's the lesson. And so, okay, I hear you universe. I hear you. What is going on here? Lesson received. I am not going to continue down this path. And this was just really like just recently. Yeah. And see, one of the things that's so cool and I love about that story is like this shit that we, the patterns, the survival patterns, all that kind of stuff that we carried for so long, like some of them do get reprogrammed and go away and are never really an issue again. Right. But there are some that are going to stick around maybe forever. Right. But show up in different ways. Right. Or it's just like the hint of it under stress. And then you're like, Oh, hi, there you are again. No, thank you. (laughs) Right. Like, and so we don't need like the more fine tuned and in touch with ourselves that we get like the fewer, like, you know, huge rock bottom moments we will need, which is good. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like that might've been a moment that was a Corey was showing up right there. And <laughs> I got to embody Corrine and be like, yeah, Oh, like, Corey, you hi. can go sit in the back yeah. seat. I don't need you right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So all of this, let's talk a bit about the addiction to stress and creating more chaos, more stress, all of that. Mm-hmm. Cause I definitely, I mean, I can relate to that. So many of my clients as well relate to that. And even if it's not addiction to stress, like, I mean, this is the same thing, but addiction to chaos, which Mm. is stress, but people being like, oh, I'd like get nothing done when I only have one thing on my list. But when there's 500, I'm so productive. Right. Or like I started seeing this show up for myself a little bit recently, because this is something that I very much feel like I have broken and did a lot of the deep work last year, 2022. And so 2023 has felt so easy and like in flow for me, which has also taken a lot of work to be like, this is normal. This is good. This is what we want. We like this. It's okay. Don't worry. Right. But I noticed myself creating some additional chaos by way of, so I fostered two puppies 
this year, which, and I have a dog and that was so fun. We had a little Doberman foster for like six weeks. She was a freaking handful, a handful loved her. Amazing. She got adopted. So like made my heart so happy, all of that. But after her, I was like, I'm taking a little break from fostering. I took like a two week break. And then I got another puppy for four weeks. And I was like, at one point I was like, I declared pretty clearly and to other people that I was taking a puppy break. And then I got another puppy in my house. Again, a foster. It wasn't a part like, right. I knew it was a very temporary thing, but I'm like, even though, and the second dog was so much easier than the Doberman so chill, so mellow, all that. I'm like, even though this puppy is so easy, I'm like, don't fool yourself into thinking this isn't adding more time and energy and chaos onto your plate. Like it balances out like the good by far outweighs the bad, but I'm like, you're not like, once this puppy gets adopted, you're taking a break. Like you said last time. So I was like, oh, am I feeling like things are too chill? And not that that's a, again, like that's not necessarily a bad thing to be doing. I'm not harming myself or anyone in any way. Like, right. Like that's a very good thing I think actually to do, but I'm like, oh, but like, was I feeling like things were a little too calm? Like, yeah, Yeah. I had the time, the energy, the space for it. So like happy to be generous, like felt so abundant, but I was like, okay, if I do a third one, like then we're stepping into pattern instead, right? Like even noticing those little things, I'm like, no, that's like, maybe just like have things be quieter, calmer for like yeah. more than one month. Yeah. It was a little stir into the pot. You're like, hmm, maybe I should just stir the pot a little. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, and so those sorts of things sometimes I think will show up in different ways. Again, I don't think it was like necessarily all bad or bad at all, but like there was a little part that I'm like, oh, I think this pattern is showing up in a tiny way in me doing this just a little bit. There's a hint of that pattern coming in. Mm -hmm. why not right like so let's dig into it the addiction to chaos to stress or really like where did that come from for you I think a lot of places it was definitely a little bit stressful and chaotic in my household growing up and I also think that it's proof to myself that I'm strong that I'm capable I mean as you know I'm a single mom I did all I raised my daughter completely, completely by myself in all aspects. And so I think that there is this like inside of my way of being, but I think it's a very common thread in all of this. There's this validation that you get from doing it all. Like, look at me. I'm so strong. Mm -hmm. I can do it all. I can be it all. I'm the lone wolf. I don't need your help. I don't need Mm -hmm. you. Kind of mentality has definitely been something that like I carried with me a good chunk of my life and consistently I'm still kind of trying to shed is that ability to be vulnerable and ask for support. And I think especially like in burnout, there's like a whole idea and theory that we do this to ourselves because it's the only place where you feel like you can ask for help or people see that you are so struggling that they offer their help. And so it's like, you think you have to push yourself to that place to be worthy of asking for support or accepting and receiving support. Mm -hmm. Oof. Yeah. That hits. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That you don't deserve it unless you absolutely need it. Mm -hmm. And what sort of things have you done to break that cycle, that addiction to chaos, stress, and 
also to ask for support and receive support. So two parts. We'll start with breaking that cycle of like that addiction to chaos, stress sort of thing. Mm, So that definitely breath work and hypnosis have been huge for me in reprogramming the my past experiences around that. I mean, it was definitely a deep dive into my subconscious. There was a lot of healing work, letters that I had to write to like my mom, my dad, ones that some that I didn't mail and some that were just the things that you process that you had to go through to see what it was that was driving those sorts of things. And I could start to release the emotional charge around them and create a new thought. And so hypnosis and breath work, huge for that. And then these little steps that I took, well, they weren't little, they were big steps, I feel like, and very emotional, lots of tears, because I was definitely, I think until probably like three years ago, you would have not caught me crying ever, really, right? I mean, maybe here and there, Dude. if it was like, and then somewhere along the line, the floodgates opened. And I don't think in the, over the last three years, I've ever, because there are even any more tears inside of me. Is that even a possibility? Dude, same. I'm like, resisted crying so much. Like I would through frustration, anger, that sort of thing with my parents, like all of that, but in front of others until I was like mid twenties, I would say. And then like, probably even after that for quite a bit, but in my thirties, I'm like, yo, I cry like all the time. So easily. I actually vividly remember being on a, it is great. And you feel so good after it's such a release, right? But I remember actually being on a Zoom call where someone was crying and I wish I had the recording of it because I think I sat there. Well, I know I did. And I had this horrified look on myself, my face like, (laughs) is she really doing this in front of people? And I actually caught myself. I was like, oh my God, you're on Zoom. Like they can see you. (laughs) And my whole thought process was like, is she really crying in front of everyone right now? And what is wrong with her? Like kind of thing. (laughs) And then later I'm like, oh my gosh. What's wrong with me? Yeah. You're like, now I am her. (laughs) Like now here I am. Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. So those are definitely big things with that. I think that this is still so much work that I am doing around the being able to receive and ask for help because it's been such a long time of being someone who is like, I got this, I can do it all. Mm -hmm. So what are some of like the little steps and things that you do to be more open to receiving? Oh, goodness. Definitely asking for it. And then when I do receive a checking with how I'm feeling and trying to generate that gratitude for any time I receive something that to notice how I'm feeling, if I'm not rooted in gratitude in that moment to shift into that state, because I do think that's the piece. It's acknowledgement and the gratitude to be able to receive. And the more we can be in that, the more open we are to receiving it. And the more often we receive, that becomes reps, right? The more I receive, the better I get at receiving. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And it can be like as little as just like a compliment, right? Like something like that, someone opening, holding the door open for you, right? And instead of like even little things too, like, oh, here, let me get out of your way. And I'm like, wait, they're the ones that are like causing the ruckus here, right? not being rude or anything like that, but like even those little shifts of like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm in your way. I'm like, no, they're the one that like just did all this chaos, right? Like even those like little fine tune moments, like receive or to like own your own needs first, all of that. Let's talk more about hypnotherapy because 
this is something I know it's really effective. I have like no experience with it. And I actually, fun fact, like in a month, I'm starting a new certification program on like deep, like somatic healing certification, all that. And that's part of it. But I'm like, shit, like, let's talk about how it works and misconceptions around it too, because I don't, but I think people probably imagine you're like, oh, like lay down on the couch and I'm little spell sort of things. But like, yeah, let's talk about how hypnotherapy works and what like a hypnotherapy session would look like. Yeah. So hypnotherapy or hypnosis is essentially meditation with a very clear goal in mind. So when you start to understand that, that's like, oh, meditation, goal specific. Yeah. So much more sense. More specific. And what it does, it just opens us up to the power of suggestion. You actually go into hypnosis multiple times a day on your own. You know, those moments when you are driving and you get somewhere and think, oh gosh, how did I get there? Well, that was actually hypnosis that you went into. You went into a a brainwave state that basically just, not that you check out, it's you were actively paying attention, but you kind of don't remember that you were paying attention. Maybe when you're in the shower, when we're doing things that we have we call it unconscious competence, things that you could do in your sleep. A lot of times we will take a little pause and your brain will go into hypnosis at that place, right? So that is essentially what hypnosis is. And what it's really doing is opening the door to your subconscious mind, which is, I'm sure you have heard this because it's a lot of people are talking about it these days, but your subconscious mind literally accounts for essentially 95% of the way that we think, we feel, we behave, all of our beliefs. It's like a library that has taken in every experience of your entire life, a record. It's all there. You may not remember it, but it is all there. And so for us to be able to create change, to access past things that have hurt us and made patterns, like, you know, ingrain them into our life and our being, we have to be able to open the door to see that part of ourselves. And so in hypnosis, you can do that. And when we go into a hypnotherapy session, you definitely lay down, but it's not like the stage hypnosis where you're, I'm going to make you quack like a chicken. this in front of your face. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Quack like a chicken. And you would net could never even be receptive or open to doing anything that isn't truly in alignment with your own values, your own integrity. So it's just a place where we can start to create some shift and change that you desire to shift and change. So you have to have the openness and the desire for it to be effective and to actually work. Do you find that it works more for certain beliefs or struggles or something like that than others? Because there's so many different modalities, right? Like you might be like, oh, this is a breathwork thing. This is hypnosis thing. So I actually put them together. We use hypnosis and breathwork together. And I think when you put them together, there is no context with which that you can't use it. You could use it to PR in a marathon. You could use it to help you quit smoking. You could use it to heal broken relationship with your parents or whatever it happens to be, you could use it to drop into flow state or find a creative solution to something that you're working on. So there's really no context with which you can't use that. Mm, So cool. So, and I'm sure you have clients who come to you with this, but like, if somebody's like, things are really feel really good in my life, things are good. And this is actually a little bit of where I've been this year is like, I don't feel like there's a huge 
like mental, emotional hurdle that I'm looking to overcome. Like it's yes. Like I'm not saying like, Oh, everything's figured out. It's like, no, I'm very aware of like the fine tuning and like the adjustments that have come from the huge things. Right. But like, if someone's in that place of like, things feel really, really good. Let's make them better. How do you guide somebody through that? Oh, so then I would start to ask questions of like, how good can you let it get? Is there, and not to put the focus on like that we are blocking anything, but kind of maybe you could start to think a little bit bigger. And so in a session, especially with breath work and that, that would definitely be a case for opening up your mind to bigger new ways of thinking using flow state and our own internal pharmacy that is activated through breath work and through hypnosis. I mean, literally it becomes like a cocktail party in your brain. And so you can start to harness things that you maybe never even thought were possible for you when we start to access that state of consciousness. Mm, I love it. And I actually don't know, I, with what you were just saying, like, I feel like when I do more play more in my subconscious, do more breath work, that kind of stuff. Again, like hypnosis and hypnotherapy that I have less experience there, but I also am able to strengthen my intuition and my like psychic and intuitive abilities. What do you think about that kind of stuff? Well, your subconscious and your nervous system are really your intuitive. They're all kind of, you can almost use them interchangeably. Right. So thinking of your nervous system, think of it kind of like a special ops team. Right. So if we are dysregulated in our nervous system, we start to become a little bit disconnected from our actual, the intuitive part of ourselves because your nervous system is trying to protect you from the bears eating you, right? Or the lion eating Mm -hmm. you, whatever the analogy is that we want to use. But when we start to regulate our nervous system, which happens in breath work, which happens through hypnosis then instead of having basically your nervous system, like a bodyguard standing in front of you, your nervous system starts to stand alongside of you and walk with you through Mm -hmm. that place. And the work we do subconsciously, now you've started to upgrade your programming because we hear these, these things of like, oh, your intuition would never lead you astray or lead you wrong. Well, that can be kind of not true because if your intuition is operating on outdated programming and trying to keep you safe, those intuitive hits that you might be getting might be actually based on a past trauma that you get to heal. And once we do that, then your intuition can guide you towards the place that you want to go. And so in that place of being regulated, in that place of opening up the doors to your subconscious mind, you basically are activating this computer inside of your mind, right? In our body, mm-hmm. that's truly connected to that energetic, you know, whether we call it universe, God source, whatever you want to call it. It's literally our dial up and connection. It's like this perception. We're like an antenna and your nervous system and subconscious pick up on these things. And it's because we almost have this algorithm that runs and it runs so quickly. That's what your subconscious does. It's like so fast. It's not perceptible to you. And it's picking up on all of the cues, all of your past experiences, taking it in kind of like AI, right? Sounds a little familiar, right? That all of a sudden now you get this feedback, that intuitive hit of telling you, oh, this is good for you. Oh, take a chance on this. Oh, go do that thing. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And that's one of the things too, with intuition right. And struggling to connect with that. Like, yeah, if you are unhealed and disconnected from yourself, it's going to be so much harder to hear your intuition. And then also like to 
trust that it's coming from accurate isn't really the right word, but like coming from an accurate place, right? Or a reliable place. Because exactly, if it's running off of old, outdated survival patterns, yeah, like it's going to be a little askew. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I love that. So what are some signs if people are listening to this and the audience is familiar with nervous system regulation, like all that, but like, what are some signs that someone's nervous system is fucked up? <laughs> like, we'll just say it like that, that you need to do some nervous system healing calibration, like that things are off there. Yeah. So, well, if you find yourself consistently feeling like you can't sleep would be one thing, right? You're agitated, you're running on cortisol. And if you happen to be someone who wears a wearable, you actually can start, it'll just tell you, right? It'll literally tell you that you're dysregulated based on your HRV. And some of them will actually just be like, hey, yo, you're in sympathetic. Are you stuck there? Are you stuck in sympathetic? So those are definitely some signs, but some really interesting ones, which was, this is a really funny kind of like the story about me that I didn't know was because I was stuck in sympathetic for so long is your senses become super heightened, right? And yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Because you're in survival mode, right? You're trying to make sure that you can get away from the lion, get away from the bear. So there's a huge benefit for your hearing to be like, so crazy on point your smell to be on point. Also kind of like why pregnant women, their senses are like that too, because they're in a heightened sense of, because they're protecting this, you know, thing that they're growing inside of them. And I used to, well, I still do probably less than it used to be, but there, it was this running joke in my house always that I had like superpower hearing and sonar smell. Like you'd walk in the door, I'd be like, you had peanut butter for lunch yesterday, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But that all makes sense. Cause if you're like staying so close to fight, flight, freeze, right? Like you need to be ready for anything. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Being a human is so fascinating. So (laughs) weird. I feel like I say that daily. (laughs) It is. It's really wild when we start to like learn all these things about ourselves. You know, if your senses are really heightened to a place where almost it's noticeable to other people, I would say Mm -hmm. is a sign. Disrupted sleep, elevated HRV are definitely ones. If you find yourself being like really reactive and triggered all the time, you're probably stuck in a state of of sympathetics. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if someone's feeling like that, like what are some starting points for them to learn how to regulate calm? Yeah. So, you know, breath work is actually not always the first thing. It actually can be agitating and so can meditation. So if you've, people have been like, oh, do meditation to like regulate stress. It can be something that is actually more stressful for you and puts you more into a state of sympathetic. So if you're really trying to bring yourself down and out of a sympathetic state, because sometimes we might be in the other way too, where we're like completely shut down, right? That's the place where you're like, your body loves you so much. You're that it's actually been like, I'm going to let you disassociate from everything and not have to yeah. feel the pain here. So that's another place could be dysregulated. And if you're there in that place, it's literally just making yourself move a little bit, nothing aggressive. It's not like, don't go out and try to like go for a run from that place. It's like, do one small task, get, drag yourself out of bed and go and put the dishes into the dishwasher. Yeah. Like some kind of movement, some kind of 
forward progress. You could even put your hands into cold water or ice water because that will start to bring you out of that place, give you some awareness. Yeah, bring you back to your body. Yeah, and if you're stuck in the amplified state of being just completely like, oh my God, I'm so stressed, I'm there, you can use breath work there, but maybe not going into like a breath work session. It would just be to start to draw your exhales out, like a big, full, deep breath in and then long, slow exhales out. Because what we're trying to do is discharge energy from your body and bring you down the highway in your nervous system. And so you don't even want to necessarily plummet from where you are all the way down, right? We just need to bring some movement movement down. So those are definitely some things, getting outside, putting your feet on the ground. And this one's really, really easy. It's called orienting. Wherever you happen to be, just paying attention to sound. Use your left ear. Notice what sounds you hear with your left ear. Then use your right ear. Notice those sounds. Start to see specific colors and items in your view and really take them in. Not just like, oh, I see red. You're like, notice the vibrancy of said red. Notice the microphone sitting right in front of you. And just doing that will start to bring you back into presence and awareness because what happens when we're dysregulated it's just a disconnection of the present moment yeah as simple as that disconnection from the present moment yeah Mm -hmm. so those are some easy kind of things that you can do and if you're really looking to expand your capacity this is why ice baths are having a massive moment right because you're basically inflicting stress on your body and teaching your body that you can do hard things that you can manage it and self-regulate yeah I saw a post on social media and reshared it recently. That was like, all these biohacking things are like antidotes to modern living and things that we used to do, like when we were, you know, more less civilized and stuff like that, but things that we would have to manage and encounter like in our normal lives, like way back when before technology that we don't do anymore because we don't need to like enduring really cold temperatures. We're just used to being so comfortable all the time, no matter what. Right. But like before we had heat and like all that kind of stuff, like hot water, whatever, right. Like that's how you took a bath or like, if you're going outside, like you dealt with being cold, right. All these things. Mm -hmm. And even like red light therapy. Oh, cause we're sitting inside with fake light, like at a computer all day and not getting under the sun as much. And yeah. So thoughts on that as like all these things as like antidotes for modern life. Yeah. So it's like this course, correct. Right. All of our technology has forced us to come up with other technology to mimic (laughs) old ways of being. (laughs) Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, and so much of that stuff though, I mean, I enjoy all of these technologies, but we don't necessarily need it because I mean, I have a PEMF mat, but you know what? You could just walk outside and put your feet on the ground and it's actually put your feet in the grass, a PEMF mat. It's basically no grounding. It basically, it mimics the magnetic frequency of the earth. So mine is from higher notes and you lay on it and it has this grounding effect for you and to you. It's very regulating for your nervous system, but I mean, I spent a lot of money on that, but I could actually, if I wanted to just go outside and lay down on the grass and the earth, and it's actually the same thing. I mean, I don't really want to do that because I don't want the bugs and like get itchy with grass. That is the exact same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we could potentially not expose ourselves to these beautiful red lights that we get to sit in front of that feel so good. You could actually just go outside in the morning light to regulate your circadian rhythms and maybe take breaks from looking at the computer screen and all the different right? things. Right. And like having a get. ring light. 
in my face right now. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Those give me such headaches too. I don't know yeah. about you, but I have it there and I'm like, I have such a headache right now. Why do I have a headache? Oh, because the ring light is like staring at me for yeah. hours. Yeah, exactly. It's all so fascinating. Like I said, being a human, such a wild experience. Okay. I want to circle back to what you were talking about with the, is it four hour work day or week? That oh, you're doing? four hour work day. Day. Four okay. Because like at once, maybe I heard week and I was like, <gasps> But even four hour work day, so like, right. I'm like, will you walk through then what does your like normal quote unquote, cause entrepreneur life, right? Like what does your normal day look like in this four hour structure? Like, yeah. Okay. So we're going to, this is pre puppy because it is not, I'm not doing a very good job of it right now, but I would normally get up somewhere between five and six in the morning is when I would wake and I would do a meditation and probably a breath work, or I would do, so I use biofeedback HRV training for nervous system regulation. It's where you literally watch your heart rate and you expand your capacity, which is a whole nother thing. But so I would do that in the morning. And sometimes I would add my breath work sessions in, like my hypno breath work in around like 10 o'clock. And those would be sandwiched between two hour deep work blocks. And that's where I'm getting all of my stuff done. And I try to structure these. It's kind of would be like rhythmic in that, like I would have two hour deep work blocks almost every single day that I would consider potentially a work day, but that's not necessarily client facing work. So we can couch that with like, it's not that I wouldn't necessarily be doing any other work, but the kind of work that we need to do that really moves the needles Mm. towards the big things that could be content creation. That could be making sure that I'm writing if I'm in a program development sort of season or phase. And that's what I would use those that time for instead of getting up and maybe scrolling on social media and doing those kinds of things that I used to do before. And it is astounding when you create this structure and habit, how much you can get done. And I mean, anybody can do this kind of structure. And it could be maybe you're more productive in the evening, although I would might challenge that. I don't know that that's actually true for anyone. I think we have like a falsehood around that because when you wake up in the morning, you're fresh, you're clear. And when I am really operating in that phase, what I do is the night before I set a plan for the thing that I'm going to be working on. So there's no in the morning trying to make decision about the things that I'm going to be working on. It's, I just get up and I just start doing it. And we really, as humans, it's like a whole scientifically proven thing that we only have about four hours of high cognitive output in us per day. So that's what I try to put into the four hour blocks. And if I'm really nailing it on the days that I don't have client facing work, because I don't do that on every single day then I can just not do anything work-related if I want to. I can choose to, and that's a whole nother feeling for us energetically choosing to, but any of those things that I might choose to do would not be things that were high demand for me. Yeah. And then after those four hours with my breath work in between, I probably am going to work out. Um, There's going to be a workout in there. I'm not by choice a morning worker out or (laughs) like I do it, but it is not like if if I'm operating in like, this is my dream life. I like to work out of around like 2 PM. That's like when I like to work out. I'm capable of a workout in the morning and they always feel good, but it is not my desire to do it then. Yeah. 
I mean, this week I've been sleeping until like, or not getting out of bed till like eight, almost seven thirty eight. But yeah, I'm a like maybe do an hour of productivity in the morning, but like I like my workout to start. But tell me more about you said the HRV. Oh, what yes. is that? So it's called resonance breathing is okay. what it's called. And so if you have a wearable, like an aura ring, a whoop, a bio strap, a thing like that, it checks your HRV. And there's actually yes. a whole separate app. And this is what I use. It's called Elite HRV. And you can attach your wearable to, to the Elite HRV app. And there's a breathing practice. We all have a very unique resonance specific, but you don't have to go through all the comp like the complexities of finding it. It's pretty universal that you can breathe in a four, six pattern. So in for four, out for six, and that's a resonance breath. And the protocol for this is to do it 20 minutes a day, twice a day for 10 weeks for it to be really effective. I have done that protocol and program. I think it's, it makes the perfect, the enemy of good to think that most or any, most people are actually going to do that. I mean, it's mm -hmm. crazy transformable, what or transformative, what happens if you actually do that. But I, most of the time do 20 minutes a day. And what it does is it literally expands your capacity. We want our HRV to be a higher number. The higher your HRV is means that you are, have the capacity to handle and deal with stress better. So okay. it makes our nervous system, makes us more flexible in the face of stress, which is what we want. We want to be more pliable. Yeah. More flexible. HRV is heart rate variability, right? Yes. Heart rate variability. And it is a direct indicator of our ability to navigate and respond to stress. So if it is a low number, you are probably in a sympathetic state and you have some work to do. And really the bad news is, is that if you're there, it's also an indicator. You're probably going to have some kind of like heart something and not to freak anybody out, but it also is an indicator of like, you're probably not going to live a very long life. So, cause so heart rate variability. So with that, because yes, like that means your heart is working, stretching that sort of thing, which is why cardiovascular exercise, like all this kind of stuff is important because it, your heart has to put in work and change and do all these things. But would you have a high HRV if you're high stress too? No, no, no. It'll be low. Oh, right. The variability. That's the key. Yeah. That's the thing. The change is what we're looking for, right? So, because if you're under a ton of stress, you're likely at a high heart rate, but over a sustained period of time. So the variability is the change. Yeah. Yeah. So it, what we want to do is be able to oscillate up and down. And so if you basically watch your breath while and your heart rate while you're breathing, you'll see it's the same. Like if you've been in a hospital, you see the do, 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 do kind yeah. of line. It looks very much like that. And what we want is to see these big swings because your heart rate and the pressure in your body changes with every breath, right? So we inhale and then the pressure increases. We exhale and it decreases. And we want to see this like big swing mm. in essentially almost in every single breath, right? When we get stressed, we tend to be shallow breathing, right? And there's this whole thing with our breath and that when we're breathing shallow, we actually have these stress essentially sensors in your chest, for lack of a better word, that tell your body to be in sympathetic, to tell your body to be in a state of stress, to release the cortisol because it's emergency, it's go time. When we breathe down into our belly and into our diaphragm, 
it activates that rest and digest. It tells your body it's safe. It can chill out. And so when we're breathing in this really expansive rhythmic pattern for in the four, six pattern, you start to create this big swing in the body, which is what Mm. you want. The more you do that, the more you can maintain that in the face of stress. So let's imagine that you are getting ready to go up and speak on a stage. We want to have a little bit of stress, right? Because that's going to help you show up and like nail it, right? But we don't want to be such in response to the stress that you can't speak or that your voice is shaking the whole time. And so mastering this kind of practice actually puts you so in tune with your body that you can regulate your nervous system in just a few breaths right before you walk onto stage. So you could basically capitalize on the stress that you're experiencing and like a race car driver, still put your foot on the gas, go right onto stage and nail it, but without having to experience all the negative things that go around it. And the HRV breathing in the morning is equates to the same as us going to the gym and doing a workout. So it's training your body to respond to the face of stress. And there's something that's even more crazy about it is that you start practicing this, you can add in, and this is kind of like, if you are a fan of Joe Dispenza, this is a little bit of what he talks about with the heart, mind coherence. Yes. If you're doing this, and I've actually played with it, listening to specific hypnosis that I've created while I'm doing the resonance breath. And if you can tap into a feeling of love and gratitude, you will instantly see your heart rate, the heart rate variability number go up like a lot by like five, eight, 10 points, and you can hold it and maintain it. And inside of that, you actually, your nervous system emits that frequency out. So imagine that you can do that, go into a, maybe you're speaking, maybe you're going into a conversation and you can tap into that. You can actually enroll the people in your orbit into that feeling. Mm. So cool. Yeah. And you can watch it. I mean, the cool part is it's like, if you're somebody, especially like a type A, you're like, is it working? <laughs> you can see the data. Like it's, we do meditation. Yeah. Like, Is it working? That's why we hate it. Cause it's like, or a lot of people hate it. You're like, I'm doing this thing. Is it working? I want to know it's working. I'll keep going. If I know it's working. Well, this actually shows you through numbers while you're doing it, that it's working. That's so cool. Okay. Elite HRV is the Elite app. Elite HRV like, is the app. I want yeah. to check this out. This is so interesting. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you. And as you were talking about that, I'm like, oh, this sounds a lot like heart, mind, coherence stuff that Dr. Joe talks about. So yeah, adding, that's so interesting that love and gratitude increases the HRV. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Or why do you think that is? Mm, I mean, I would say a, because those are the highest levels of frequency we can experience, right? If we're in a state of love, if you can tap into generate that, I mean, imagine if you're in a state of gratitude and you're in a state of love, deep, true, actual, are you stressed? No, no. Right. So it just opens that space up as Dr. Joe explains it in this, which he doesn't necessarily talk about this kind of breathing, but it's the same thing. They talk about it in it's heart math is another like certification. And that's like all completely medical driven. And they talk about the heart and the brain coherence. And you actually, I mean, there's connections and tissues and there's like sensors that are inside of your heart. So, I mean, your heart, your brain, and your gut 
are all interconnected with, and the vagus nerve is inside of that too. So when we can get them into a coherent state and do it with that connection of love and gratitude, I just don't think that you can see the world and respond to the world in a negative way. We can show up with empathy and compassion, both for yourself and for others. Mm. So cool. Yeah. I love this stuff. And I like, even just as you're taught, well, one, I will say you have, and have all like, since I've known you have always had like such a grounding, calming energy. So even just like when we first hopped on, I'm like, I feel so like in how you speak, I'm like, Oh, I'm calibrating to like be calmer too. Like, this is so nice. But even as you're explaining that stuff, like, I'm like, I'm going to do the the breathing thing. I'm like, Oh, look, look, like I feel so much calmer. I love it. Oh, this stuff is fascinating. So, okay. We have been jamming. I love this. So I'll, I'll go ahead and wrap us, but one, where can everybody find you connect with you? And do you have any, like, what can they be a part of whether you have like programs right now or like some free things that they can jump into? Yeah. Tell us all the goodies. Absolutely. Well, Instagram, of course I'm over there and you can come over and check out all the things, say hi, message me, DM me. It's really me answering. So in my bio, and I can give you the links for these things too. There is a for I have a free flow state hypno breath work. And by the time this is, is live, I'm sure it is going to be open. Cause I literally just leaked this to my podcast, super expander to the community that I have a, essentially an audio library of breathwork and hypnosis that's opening like a membership that'll be an existing library, but new stuff is going to be going into it all of the time. So it's like a super affordable way to just have access to this work. And then of course, you know, there's always these like live programs happening. I have a mastermind and live talk programs that are peppered in throughout the year always. Yeah. Amazing. I love it. And Last, last question for you, which we ask everybody who comes on. So this show amplify, right? It's all about owning your unique Eunice, right? Like living in the world as the most amplified, like fully expressed, authentic, abundant version of you. And so any, like a word of wisdom, like mic drop, like quote that you love, like just any kind of like parting thing to support people in really like living as the most amplified version of themselves. Oh my goodness. I know that this is like, so, so cliche, but truly like our superpower, our secret sauce is owning that uniqueness. And when we step into it, it's when there is no competition. And I know that I'm not the only person that says this, thinks it, or believes it, but the moment that we start to get away from that. That's when we actually do start blending in, right? The only way for us to stand in a place where no one is our competition is to own that authenticity, just unabashedly be yourself. And the cool thing about it is that's where things actually get to feel easy. It's not a struggle to just be yourself. Right. Right. It's a struggle sometimes like often to like get to that place, but once you're in that place, yeah, it's not a struggle. Yeah. It's, that's that's not, the place where we actually step into the, like, you know, the giving no fucks. That's the place when we get there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting. That was, I love this, like super, super interesting stuff. And I appreciate you being on so much. 
Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. It's been like the best conversation ever. I'm going to feel like we should do this more often. I know, right? Let's. All right. Thank you, everyone. Be sure to connect with Corey. That, like, shit, I'm going to get my hands on that hypnosis breathwork practice. Who was like, oh, I need that. That sounds incredible. So, y'all, be sure to follow her on social media, get your hands on all those goodies, and see y'all in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode and if you know of somebody else who is bold, successful, and unapologetically owning their unique magic while they make a big impact in the world, please send them my way. And it would also mean the world to me if you help me get this message out to as many listeners as possible. So if you liked what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you would please take 30 seconds to leave a five-star rating, write a quick review, and share this episode with your friends. Be sure to tag me so that I can say thank you. And until the next episode, keep showing up, keep using your voice, and keep being you. Because the